1: Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode of the professional book nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. It is October. I mean it's been October for a while but it's um almost Halloween. Almost. It's it's close enough where I'm like in full Halloween mode. Let's be honest I've been in full Halloween mode since like August but you know what I mean. So um, it's spooky season, and I'm back with another um, episode full of scary, creepy horror books. This time, though, I'm joined by my co-worker Rachel, which I'm very excited about. Um, and she and I have a ton of horror books for you to read if you want to be creeped out um, during spooky season or really any time of year, because sometimes you just want to be creeped out. Even in like the middle of summer. So, um, if you want to get a hold of the podcast, maybe share your own creepy, spooky season horror novels that you love, you can go to the website, professionalbooknerds.com. We are on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at ProBookNerds. You can always email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. I think that's all I got. My coffee is clearly kicking in because I'm like talking kind of fast. So apologies. Uh, all right. Yeah. I, you know what? We're not going to delay any longer because one, I'm sure you're tired of hearing just my voice for the past several weeks. So I'm, you know, I'm happy to bring you another voice in addition to mine in today's episode. And let's just get to those, those horror novels. So I hope you all enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. (laughs) Rachel. Hey, Jill. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks. I feel like it's been a while since you've been on for a full episode. So I'm really excited to uh, to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. Thanks for having me. We are talking horror books, which is good. It's October. It's spooky season. Mm-hmm. It's always, always a good topic. Um, so we have a bunch of books and for our listeners, all these titles will be in the show notes. You don't have to worry about trying to write them down or anything like that. But Rachel, I'm gonna have you start um, with our first book recommendation for listeners. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Jill. So I always say when it comes to
0: horror, I like books about haunted places and haunted people. That's sort of my you know subgenre of horror. I tend to like, you know, the slasher kind of campy stuff is fun from some from time to time, but I kind of prefer that in movies and TVs shows. So for my books, I love anything about haunted places and then the haunted people that find themselves in those places. So leading into the first book I wanted to talk about was one that actually came out this week is called Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Caw. And the cover for this book is honestly frightening it is what made me pick it up in the first place when I got sure there is sure is. Copy. <laughs> and just looking at it I was like this is going to be good I can just tell and it was an indie next pick an October library reads pick so it's kind of getting some buzz out there and I was glad I got to you know kind of get in while everyone was talking about it and it's a kind of a, a creepy haunted house tale but it's steeped in Japanese folklore and there's a lot of kind of pretty terrifying twists. So I won't get into it too much to avoid any spoilers for people out there reading it, but sort of the basics of it is it's this, you know, an old mansion, it's abandoned, all the typical stuff you would think about in a abandoned horror mansion, but the, it's sort of haunted by this old bride and I get, there were these, you know, young girls that were kind of sacrificed to keep her company within the mansion, I can say. And so these, you know, this group of friends decides to spend the, the weekend, I think it was a weekend, there, you know, kind of thrill seekers hoping to see some haunting stuff. So they get there and it kind of, you know, quickly spirals from there. And you know the secrets come out and it's you know exploration of you know the na- the nature of the relationships of the people there and then the ghosts haunting it and there's a lot of you know explorations of grief and consequences it's just really really smartly written and laid out and definitely recommend it i would kind of comp it to like haunting of hill house more the tv show than the book, if that makes
1: sense. Yes, it
0: does. Okay. <laughs> you know, like it's about, you know, the people there and their relationships and how it relates to the house. So I really, really enjoyed it. And it was a pretty, I read it earlier this month. That was the first book I read, kind of heading into spooky season. And it, it was perfect. So definitely recommend it. I got through it pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, it sounds really good. Uh, and the cover, yes, on the cover. Oh, I had like, <laughs> yes, I, I had come across it. And, um, I was like, okay, well this is going on my TBR. This sounds delightful. This sounds delightful. Um I I like how you described your sort of horror subgenres: haunted people and haunted places and I'm like, yeah, I can 100% get behind all of that. Um and so my first one is my best friend's exorcism by Grady Hendrix. Not quite haunted people, but potentially people possessed, which is somewhat mm-hmm. close to that. Uh um I love Grady Hendrix books um they're just they're just delightful and he, he like takes these sort of weird topics like in this case exorcism and makes them both kind of scary but also funny and so this is about Gretchen and Abby and they have been best friends um it takes place in the 80s they've been best friends since childhood when uh Gretchen was the only one to show up at poor Abby's birthday party um And they soon became inseparable. And their friendship is uh, the best friends. Everything's great. And then um, one day Gretchen gets lost in the woods. And when she comes back, things are different. (laughs) And Abby is already an outcast at their super swanky private school. She's never really fit in. Hence why Gretchen was the only one to show up to her birthday party years ago. Um, and she's sort of faced with still trying to fit in while also trying to save her best friend from possession. <laughs> and what I love about Grady Hendrick's book so much is that you know, it's not just text on a page, like there's an art to the presentation of his books. And in this case, um, It's like it looks like a yearbook, and there's you know pages in the book that you would see from a yearbook with like photos of students. Um, The cover looks like something like you would imagine straight out of the '80s, like movie on VHS tape. And his books are are just wonderful. And I've talked about other ones, but I don't know if I've talked that much about my best friend's Exorcism, which is just it's, it's a fun, it's a fun horror book, like all of his. So if you want, if you're not really into like scary, super scary, my best friend's exorcism is, is a good pick.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome. I love how you mentioned the interesting formatting of the book and images. I always appreciate that, but I feel like in horror in that genre, that's often where we see a lot of that too, is the different images and the different, kind of playing around with the different types of storytelling and layouts of the book I think in the horror genre it really shines and I appreciate that a lot with Grady Hendrix too you know I haven't read anything by him in a while but I loved Horror Store in yes. the way that it was like laid out like the Ikea, Ikea. catalog
1: and it just I kept getting weirder yeah, yeah
0: it keeps getting weirder
1: it just kept getting yeah. weirder all of the items ah oh, so good so
0: good <laughs> yeah that the, uh, the thought of like the the layout of the book and how they kind of keep it interesting reminds me of another book I had on my list. is a book that's a little over 20 years old now, is um House of Leaves. Did you ever read that one? Yeah, with all oh, I the have. footnotes and everything and just how you have to kind of turn the book to read it at certain parts. That was one that, like, as much as you kind of hate to say this, like I read it 15, 20 years ago. So I don't know that I could really tell you what the plot was, you know, or a lot of details, but I remember the experience of reading it and really enjoying it with just the layout and again like all the different text lines and how it was arranged on the page was just a really unique experience and I love that in all books but especially in horror I think it really kind of makes the books so unique and really helps with the storytelling so yeah you should definitely check out the new Hendrix one
1: yeah. Uh, I have read House of Leaves. I feel like I'm one of the only people who's read it multiple times. Like, I feel like people read mm-hmm. House of Leaves once and they're like, you know what? I'm good. And I'm like, no, we're going to read it a lot. And so <laughs> um, I can't provide a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a <laughs> plot line. So it's like three stories in one. Mm-hmm. There is um, Johnny um, <clears throat> is the one like with all the footnotes and it's kind of like his main story. He comes across his neighbor whose name is slipping my mind, but it starts with a Z. I want to say Zapruder, but that's not right because that's like the Kennedy stuff, but something like that. And Mm -hmm. he had, um, written about a, uh, documentary, um, uh, a documentarian who had filmed his house, which was bigger on the inside than it was on the Mm -hmm. outside. And so these like three, so like Johnny is reading about this and kind of becomes obsessed with this house and this idea of like it being bigger on the inside and then you have um the documentarian who decides to start like investigating there's like this hallway that goes on and on forever and it just gets weirder and um it's it's so good but it it's it's an experience to read that book mm-hmm. yes <laughs> yeah it is for sure that's one
0: I've been meaning to like reread but it's also one of those, like, I feel like I need to be in a good space to, like, really yes. appreciate it. And it just hasn't happened lately for, that, I don't know. I wonder why. <laughs> I, I wonder, wonder why. <laughs> but, what could be going on?
1: What could in be the going world? on?
0: But yeah, there, I don't need more horror in my life. No. Having <laughs> to do that. But yeah, it's definitely been on my list to to reread for sure. But I highly recommend it as a first time experience. I I loved it, but make sure you got a little time
1: and a little
0: space to really appreciate it.
1: It is it is an experience. It is a commitment. And it's not Mm. really, I don't think one of those books you can like read in pieces. Like you really have to do a
0: chapter a night. Like it's it's beefy too. It's like 800 pages. Like you need like a a Sunday. Yes. It's a a do nothing else other than like drink coffee.
1: Exactly.
0: Which if you have a Sunday to do that.
1: I mean, yeah, that's actually not a terrible idea. Now that I think mm-hmm. about it, yeah. <laughs> um, so another kind of like exorcism thing because that's apparently what kind of books I like. I have um, mm-hmm. a head full of ghosts by Paul mm-hmm. Tremblay. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, this book. Okay, so um, it's a you know typical family, um, parents, two daughters, and the 14-year-old Marjorie starts showing signs of schizophrenia. Um, Her parents aren't sure if it's schizophrenia. It could be teenage rebellion, but there are also concerns it could be something more. And so her father, who doesn't have a job and needs money, agrees to let a reality TV show crew attempt to exercise what might be Marjorie's demons, which sounds like that will end. Really well. Really, really well there won't yeah. be any problems uh <laughs> um and then the other daughter years later is sort of trying to investigate and find out what exactly happened you're not entirely sure you just know something happened and so the book sort of goes between the events of this reality tv show and then interviews with the sister years later kind of building up to this conclusion of of what exactly happened and was she possessed and it's it's so good um it's just like a it's creepy it's a creepy book it's a Mm. creepy book and if you just want something that will just keep you on edge the whole time uh head full of ghosts is that would be the book for you
0: Love it, love it. Yeah. Speaking of ones that are just creepy the entire time, I read a book earlier this year called *The Lost Village* by Camilla Sten, and I think it came came out in March of this year. And I read it solely for this one line in the review that said it was *The Blair Witch Project* meets *Midsummer*, and I was like, "Well, that sounds pretty fantastic." And I would say it's a little bit more. Blair Witch Project and Midsummer, because I mean those are two pretty tough things to combine. <laughs> sure, yeah. But Midsummer is one of my favorite horror movies uh. of all time. And it did have, I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but it definitely had some Midsummer elements to it that I was terrified by and appreciated and creeped me out to no end. And this one did pretty well earlier this year. It was another Indie Next and Library Reads Picked. And it's about this documentary filmmaker, Alice, who's been obsessed with this kind of old mining town that's dubbed the the Lost Village. And since she was a little girl, she's been obsessed with this town. And in like the, the late 50s, her grandmother's entire family disappeared in this mysterious tragedy. And so she goes there to try and, you know, uncover these questions. And there's only a couple people left in the town, I believe it was. So, like, there's, you know, all these questions, you know, plaguing her. And so she gathers a small group to go to this remote village to find out what happens. And I feel like you can kind of assume what happens from there you know they get there mysterious things start to happen and you know people go missing and it's this whole thing but it gets it's it's really 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 well done as far as some of the twists that they take and some of the you know things that get kind of woven in throughout the story I really enjoyed so especially if you're into stuff like I do love the idea of like the you know the documentary filmmaker and almost that sort of like meta thing like you mentioned like with the head full of ghosts with the reality Mm -hmm. tv show like elements like that I get really into in stories so I definitely recommend this one as well but this one was was creepy definitely creepy stayed with me for a few few nights after I read it
1: well, I just checked it out from Cleveland Public Library. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Blair Witch Project meets <laughs> midsummer. I mean, you really can't get much better than that. Right. Horror.
1: What else could you possibly need in a in a book description? Um, all right, let's see. I'm going to go next with uh The Ruins by Scott Smith. Um, this came out a while ago, but uh it's about two couples, um Jeff and Amy and Eric and Stacy. They're Americans in their 20s, and they decide to go to Mexico. Why not? Um, And, you know, they're having a pretty lazy vacation, just like getting drunk on the beach like you do. And they're making friends with local tourists, including Matthias, who has come to Mexico from Germany with his brother. And then his brother uh, meets a girl and went off into the jungle to sort of visit this archaeological site that the the, woman is uh is working on she follows him and then he never comes back and so matthias is a little worried about his brother and decides to head off into the jungle um to go look for his brother and visit these ruins and jeff and amy eric and stacy are like yeah sure we'll go with you two again that sounds like it'll end very well right (laughs) so (laughs) This one German guy and these four Americans head off into the jungle with no plan, not really a tour guide. Like, they're just like, we're going to go see this archaeological dig. We're going to see these Mexican ruins. Everything is going to be fine. And they're not fine. And (laughs) I feel like this is that thing with like horror novels where you can't talk too much about what actually happens because it'll ruin it. So just know that they're in the jungle and things go really, really bad Mm. and- this book, like, I don't know. I, I, there are certain books that kind of let, like, leave such a last impression on me. Like, I can remember going into the library, finding mm. this book, <laughs> and be like, this sounds interesting. And then taking it home. Uh, um, I love it. And this that. is, yes, this is one of those books where I can just, like, very clearly remember coming across it for the first time. um and it, it, it's really good. I love the way Scott Smith writes. He hasn't really written anything in a very long time. Um, but the ruins is, is, is so good. And again, I like that it's sort of, it's a different environment than a lot of other horror books. You know, it's set in Mexico yeah, or in, in the
0: jungle too. Yeah. I it's horror in the jungle. Like
1: you're not, it's, but also like your imagination can kind of run wild about what could potentially happen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's a good one. And definitely one that stuck with me for a very long time. Love that.
0: Um, One that I wanted to mention, and this is one that I really hope Ryan Murphy reads this and turns it in, you know, gets inspiration for the next season, you know, of American horror story, something like that. Cause that was, the overall kind of vibes I had when I was reading it, and that should kind of give you a a little bit of a scene. Think of Ryan Murphy, and it's called The Return by Rachel Harrison. It came out last year, and it's about this woman goes missing and is presumed dead, but her three best friends, her one friend in particular, Elisa, if no, she's alive, you know, she's one of those, she never accepts that she's presumed dead and they kind of keep looking for her, but she reappears two years later, claiming to have no memory of the time when she vanished. So everyone is, you know, overjoyed that she's, she's back and seemingly okay. So Elisa, Julie is the woman that was, it was missing So the four friends, they organize this trip to upstate New York to kind of reconnect. But I also kind of feel like upstate New York is just like, you don't go to upstate New York if you don't want anything bad to happen to you. (laughs) (laughs) Like in books, like we're going to go to this hotel in upstate New York. Like that's sort of like a a dead giveaway that something bad is going to (laughs) happen in a book. So they get to this very like isolated like, an um, extravagant hotel. And when they finally reconnect with Julie, a lot about her has changed. You know, she used to be like, I think she was like a, you know, kind of an overzealous vegan, you know, in her day. But now she's like craving meat all the time. And her appearance has changed. And just a lot of weird things going on about her physically and her friends kind of chalk that up to erratic behavior because of the trauma whatever happened over in the sure. past two sure. years so they're you know trying to make the best of their weekend and things start happening in the hotel bodies start piling up and a lot of blood it almost like it sounds weird, but I kind of got some shining vibes as far as like the mm-hmm, hotel too, mm-hmm. like, like not necessarily in the hotel itself, but kind of the way they describe the hotel and things about it. So it was really interesting. Again, I don't, you know, the, the truth of the, her disappearance is revealed. We won't get into that now, but it really gets into the nature of complicated female friendships as well, which I appreciated too. I always like, you know, again, coming back to the haunted people that I like in shows, they really kind of delve into that. And it was just very, very well-written and it was easy to get through too. You know, it was one of those, I read it pretty quickly because some horror books I have to put down from time to time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, for certain things, but this is one that I got through pretty quick. It was pretty easy to absorb, but you know, chilling, but not still more of a, a thriller than other aspects of horror that I really appreciated. So, yeah, definitely recommend this one and hope Brian Murphy takes some notes from it because it definitely gave me AHS vibes, which I loved. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see that
1: from that description. Yeah, I can see that. But so- yeah, and it
0: was interesting too because a lot of times in the horror, you know, you get the you get a lot of the family dynamics and a lot of the like love story dynamics. So it was interesting to see the dynamics, of just a friend group kind of explored too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I appreciated.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so my next one is Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. I loved this book so much. Um, I know not everyone did, and that's okay. I just started this one.
0: I just started this <laughs> one recently because we're actually reading it for a book club and we're meeting on Friday. So I better get through it pretty quickly. But... There you go. There you go. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm into it. I'm about, like, I'm about <laughs> two hours into the audio
1: book because this is okay. audio and that's yeah. pretty into it so far. I, I loved this book. I think it was my favorite book last year, if I remember correctly. Um... I think it came out last year. I don't even remember. Time has no meaning. But uh, so well, actually, is it Nomi? You're listening to the audiobook. Is that how they pronounce the main character's name? Mm-hmm. Is it Nomi? Okay. Good to know. Uh so Nomi, um, yeah, she receives a again set in Mexico in the 1950s, and she receives a letter from her cousin who um has just been married um and is living in like Basically, an English manor in Mexico, which sounds totally fine and not at all like <laughs> colonizing. Uh, <Uh-oh. laughs> and um, she's, you know, Nomi is is worried about her cousin, so she goes to this house and is there with the family, and things just seem a little weird. Um, and what again, like it's sort of that like haunted place kind of thing with weird mm-hmm. family dynamics, and again, like. Um, there are uh sort of race elements to it because you know, no me and her cousin are are Mexican and the spouse is English and his family is English. And um I I did, I loved everything about this book. It's just it's like I mean it's in the title, it's like that gothic horror, but set in Mexico in the 1950s and again sort of in an unlikely spot that you would not normally find a horror book but I'm I'm glad Sylvia decided to set one there because it's not something I really knew that much about at all um and I don't since you're reading it I'm like Mm -hmm. we'll let you (laughs) experience the book in real time as you're reading it but I absolutely adored this book so much so I hope you like it too
0: Yeah. Thanks so far. So good. Yeah. A lot of people, it seems like most people I know liked it, but I know some people didn't and had strong feelings about it. So I think think I'm in camp like so far
1: and I'm definitely excited to finish it. Yeah. It's just, it's very atmospheric. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I liked know me as a character, um, and just watching the dynamics of the family, um, is interesting as well. So yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot.
0: Great. Yeah, I'm excited to finish it. So beyond haunted people and haunted places, another type of horror book that I guess horror is interesting because there's so many ways to define it, but one of my favorite kind of horror adjacent or subgenre, however you want to classify it, is post-apocalyptic books. are ones that I just, I devour. And especially if there's zombies in them, I get, I get, I get into zombies. Zombies is the one kind (laughs) of, you know, monster I'll appreciate in a horror story. So some just kind of classic zombie stories that I always recommend to everyone is, you know, World War Z by Max Brooks, I think is if you're interested in kind of diving into zombie books, start with that one. And then Zone One by Colton Whitehead is another one. I won't get into those too much because I feel like they've probably been talked about quite a bit in in the past. But one that I read recently that was, you know, I think it was a self-published book that was recommended by some friends of mine that they were like, yeah, just get it. I think I grabbed it, you know, on my Kindle pretty quickly one day. And it's called Love in an Undead Age by Am Giver. And it's kind of, it was just so smartly written and just the dialogue was amazing. I was so impressed. And it's one of those books that kind of toes the line between adults and YA. Like, I think it was a YA book, but definitely could be enjoyed by older teens. And, you know, it's it's basically a love story set in a zombie apocalypse era. Sure. So, if you're looking for, you know, if you're a huge romance reader but looking to kind of change it up a little bit this spooky season, definitely read Love in an Undead Age. It's about this urban Miranda who lives in kind of what's left of Silicon Valley. And an old flame turns up at a nearby university and you know, something, I again, don't want to get too much into spoilers, but there's this like government council that's controlling the cure for the zombie virus. And Miranda's kind of involved in this plot to, to steal it. And, you know, the vaccine is, you know, used for a lot of political advantage and, but she's, Miranda's hoping she can sort of save civilization with it. But then there's this love story kind of woven through it along with all the zombie stuff. So there are a lot of good elements to it. You know, you got the love story, you got the zombies, you got the overthrowing the government, you got the evil government, you got California and the apocalypse. It was just layered so well. And this was kind of, you know, a sleep I hadn't heard of until my friends recommended it. And I picked it up and it was one of those I was, I was so glad I did. So Love in an Undead Age, we have it in ebook and audiobook, recently made available so yeah, definitely check that out if you're a romance reader, looking to get some spookiness this season. That that sounds really good. Yeah, it, it really yeah. was. And I'm not much of a, I'm not a huge romance expert, but mm. as far as love
1: stories go, this is one that I really, really enjoyed. Um, yeah, that sounds really good. Uh, and I like that, you know, I think the thing about horror is that it is its own genre but it overlaps with so many other genres that mm-hmm. there are so many books I feel like you wouldn't necessarily classify as horror um, but 100% if like I read them sometimes as horror um, and one of those is um, The Gracier by Kim Liggett which is it's mm-hmm. the white book mm-hmm. yeah yeah yes. <laughs> forgot about this one. Oh my god yes not classified as a horror novel technically but let me tell you it is pretty horrifying <laughs> um it's about this small community that kind of reminds me of the village uh the movie um mm-hmm. where the girls are uh like basically told that they have these they're like the power to lure men into their beds yeah. and drive men mad and just they're just like really powerful but in a very dangerous way um so it feels a little like Salem in that way and and it's all girls kind of on the precipice of quote-unquote womanhood um and so for their 16th year all of the girls are banished to an island to essentially like release their magic and then they can return to the village um you know, purified and they'll be ready for marriage and everything will be fine, except not all the girls make it home alive every year. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> which you're like, well, that's, that's weird. <laughs> um, and so tyranny is, um, 16 and she is now at a point in her life where she's going to be sent with these other girls to, um, to this Island. And, when they get there, um they're basically left alone. And it's a little Lord of the Flies, but in a super, super creepy way. And it just the horror comes in the same way that like the handmaid's tale is kind of horror in mm-hmm. how um women and girls are treated and seen as kind of these monsters, especially if they are kind of on that edge of puberty and Becoming an adult woman and this idea of just having like a monster inside of you that needs to be gotten rid of and taken care of and you are not pure and uh, this book there's another book that just like really stuck with me and 100% creeped me out um, as I was reading it and sort of finding out what happens to the girls on this island and it's just, it's so good. It's so good. Um, And the relationships between the girls, that's like another element yeah. that, you know, sort of they, in that Lord of the Flies way of like playing against each other and kind of being pitted against each other. Oh, it's so good. Yeah.
0: I did read that one a couple of years ago and I really enjoyed it, but I have thoughts on the ending, <laughs> oh,
1: wow, which I we am. won't discuss
0: here, <laughs> but it was one of those, it was a four-star book, if not a five-star book for a the vast majority of it, and then the ending came around, and I was like, we got to knock off a couple of stars, here, people, what's going on, I had some issues with the ending, but that's also one of those, like, it almost makes me tell people to read it more, you know, because I want to hear what other people thought of the ending, because I know some people loved it, and it was one that I was just like, no, 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 but also sometimes, I often enjoy when I don't like the ending of a book because if it's something you don't see coming and kind of shocks you out of nowhere if you disagree with like regardless of my thoughts on it I had a strong reaction to it which anytime a book gives anyone a strong reaction I think is ultimately kind of a good thing when it comes at least to fiction you know like that if you have a strong reaction to it the author did their job
1: (laughs) I I agree I really like polarizing endings like that um Mm -hmm. Yes, so I I agree with you. But yes, we can discuss after recording about <laughs> the <That'll be> ending.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, the other book I wanted to kind of quickly mention that I read um, it came out the end of last year, and it was one that sort of kind of hit the nose a little bit too on the head. Like I almost wish I would have waited a little bit to read it because it's a it's like a sci-fi kind of that chronicles the aftermath of a pandemic. So nice Hmm. and it's called we hear voices by evie green and it takes place in london and the main character's name is rachel and she's kind of struggling to keep her family afloat after you know they were kind of london was ravaged by the you know this jfx virus which was proven fatal to many but it was um particularly lethal to children which kind of gave it a awful spin you know and her six-year-old son Billy gets sick but then kind of miraculously recovers and he kind of credits this imaginary friend of his with helping him and so the mom kind of becomes or the grandma becomes convinced that Billy is is possessed and it's just this kind of weird kind of post-virus situation with this kid and it was pretty chilling. It's another one I don't want to get into too much, but it gets into, you know, the virus's origin and a lot of corporate secrecy and what's going on. And then there's this issue with the sun too. So again, if you feel like you're in an emotional place to read a book about the aftermaths of a pandemic, definitely recommend this one. It was so well written and this story was so flushed out and the characters were really richly written and and detailed, but there's a lot of, you know, kind of chilling social commentary that made it kind of particularly terrifying, especially because I read it like last December too. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) So it was one of those, you know, you almost want to give it a little bit of a trigger warning, but the book was so good. It was so well written and I highly Highly recommend it, but just trigger warning. If you're worried about uh, reading about a pandemic, maybe skip this one and read it a little bit later, but all the characters, I mean, Billy's character, I love a good, as much as you hate to say this, I love a good spooky kid in a Mm, horror movie. And Billy's character was just with on point exactly what you want as a kid in a horror book it was so, it was so well-written. I just, I loved a little, I loved a little Billy. It was amazing. Love a good kid in a horror book. So yeah, this yeah, one will, be- will keep you awake though. Thinking about the, all the other real life relations. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That'll be interesting to see. I think is like, you know, I, I feel like literature and fiction is, is struggling with what to do about the pandemic but uh-huh. i see horror is probably one where they could lean into it a lot if they if they wanted to um and if an author felt you know comfortable enough, depending on how like where in the pandemic are you like let's write a horror novel set during covid but um yeah, that sounds really good. But I yeah, that's that. one thing I, I
0: should have looked into this beforehand, but I was curious when she started writing this because it came out, you know, like I think it was like six months into the pandemic. So I was like, did she start writing this yeah. before COVID? And then she was like, oh, wow, I got this book about a pandemic that's going to be released <laughs> during a pandemic. I wonder if, if it was inspired by that if, or it was just a, a coincidence. I should look into that. But yeah, either way, we hear voices, by Evie Green will definitely keep you reading. Enjoyed it very much.
1: Sounds good. Um, so I have two more books that I wanted to mention. Um, the first, uh, which I think you've read and we've talked about, is The Hunger by Alma Katsu. Did you read that one? The no, Donner I Party haven't. One? That one has okay.
0: been on my list for a long time, though. I definitely wanted to read it.
1: Um yeah, so just as a quick thing, because again in that like horror way of not wanting to spoil too much, um, the mm-hmm. hunger is sort of a reimagining of the Donner party um who were sort of traveling um as a, a wagon train, um kind of like along the Oregon Trail type thing. And in in real life, they were real party um and there was death they had they like got trapped, um, I think by like snow, they just did, they took a wrong way basically and got mm-hmm. trapped and stuck. And, um, as a means of survival turned to cannibalism because what else are you going to do? Um, and so it's just one of those sort of stories that come out of American history of, of the West and has sort of latched itself onto the American people memory of, of sorts. So in the hunger, um, Alma just sort of basically is like well what if it was something else else like what if it was you know there was a little more to the whole what if they didn't just get lost right what if they didn't just get lost or what if there was something kind of lurking with them that they didn't know that kind of thing so again I don't want to spoil too much about it but if you have any interest in the Donner party or um again like this is like a historical horror set in with like real life situation that actually happened uh it's very good and very creepy and then um did you have any other books you wanted um no the only other
0: ones that i had written down that one that i just i always talk about back in the kind of post-apocalyptic thought is the road by cormac mccarthy is one of my all time favorite books. So, if I'm talking about haunting books that will stay with you long after you've read them, this is one I cannot recommend highly enough. This is one where I remember specifically the old kind of tattered paperback copy that I read in this old coffee shop I used to work at. Like, I have so many vivid memories of reading this book, and I love Cormac McCarthy in general. So another one, if you're looking for a post-apocalyptic spooky read and you've never read it yet, highly recommend this one. And another one that I, I always talk about in relation to horror, even though it's not technically horror because it's nonfiction, but if you want to be scared this spooky season looking for something to terrify you, The Night Stalker by Philip Carlo, which is about richard ramirez and goes into so many details about his disturbing life and chilling crimes one of the best true crime books i've ever read so when people ask me they're like what's the scariest book you've ever read i'm like this one this one is by far the scariest book
1: i've ever read
0: like hands down
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) all right good to know i mean yeah the night stalker and richard ramirez is that's a that's a whole thing Yeah. (laughs) yeah so i feel like you know again with one of those horror having
0: having no bounds. I feel like true crime sometimes, at least in my mind, kind of fits in with that, you know, if, depending on the reasons why you're reading horror, you know, are you looking to to escape or are you looking to actually be scared? I always recommend some true crime. 100%, 100%.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I said one more and it's actually a short story collection. It's Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado. These stories are just, they're, I love everything Carmen writes and she has such a gift for words. And, um, the, the short story collection, there's sort of like speculative fiction a little bit, but there are definitely, um, horrific elements to a lot of the stories and one in particular, and it's, it's actually the one that's on the cover of the book, um, is this sort of an updated version of the girl with the green ribbon um Mm. from like child (laughs) yes yeah yeah see you know okay so uh yeah she kind of takes it as um the the stories the husband stitch um which she had i think was published um in a magazine or something i don't remember but um it is a a reimagining of that as as a wife who refuses to she's like an adult, her husband really wants her to remove this green ribbon she wears um around her neck refuses. And it's just an updated version of that story. And it's like that kind of thing where karma just is able to take things that we are familiar with or have read as children and just put a a new spin on them in a in a very creepy atmospheric way and so I loved this book and pretty much anything Carmen writes um and she had the cover is is one that is quite striking and she had a a, something on Twitter a couple months ago um asking people what they thought is on the cover there's like this red kind of figure type thing with a green ribbon wrapped around it and it's supposed to be sort of the anatomy of a neck, um, like this, the story from the husband stitch, but a lot of people saw different things and it was, it was kind of interesting to read all the comments and Carmen reacting to them and just how, um, covers, you know, you can take what you want from it and, and see something different, especially with a cover like this. And, and it's a lot of what the book just sees very strange stories that are just wonderfully written in, and I highly recommend that so
0: oh, love especially that. I loved so- that girl with
1: the green ribbon story I yeah
0: just, that I didn't realize that's one like I've seen it around and always has been on my list but I didn't know much about it but well, I did I remember loving that story I'm definitely gonna have to check that out
1: yeah they're all the books are so good and they're all those sort of very weird strange mm-hmm. um but yeah I just I love Carmen's writing um so yeah, that's a lot of horror books we just gave listeners. Oh. So lots, lots to read. Um, just in time for Halloween. So uh, again, all of the titles are in the show notes. So if, you can, if there's any you really wanted to pick up, we got them right there. And Rachel, thanks so much for coming on to talk horror books with me. Of course. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. It was great chatting readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace professional book nerds is proud to be an evergreen podcast signature program to learn about other evergreen podcasts visit evergreenpodcasts.com our podcast is produced recorded and edited by jill grudenwald and presented by overdrive to learn more visit professionalbooknerds.com